So the words you just said to me were, I shouldn't have eaten before this. And last time we left the listeners off, you were on your 48, uh, 48 hour fast. Huh. So <laughs> yes, catch us up. Um, you were back to totally. eating. <laughs> I am back to eating. It turns out there are some good things about eating. Yes. <laughs> um, but there are also some great things about not eating. It went great, actually. I did it. I made it all 48 hours. Congrats. It was great. I just had uh, water. Thank you. Water and coffee was all I consumed. I had like two tablespoons of coconut oil. That was like kind of the goal of the coconut oil is to get you into ketosis faster, where your body actually starts burning fat as opposed to glucose. And so if you supplement with just a tiny little bit of extra fat, it kind of like your body's like, well, there is all this fat just hanging around. So uh, why don't we get used to that? Is the um, goal to stay in ketosis after this fast? Like, do you want to no. still be in it in right now? Okay. You have, right, no, you, you have to eat a very specific way to stay in ketosis. Okay. That's because your body would much rather burn glucose if it's available. Yeah. yeah. So you have to eat a very particular diet to stay there. Um, but the goal is to get into ketosis quickly when fasting because then it, you burn fat as opposed to like muscle um, for energy. Interesting things. So I spun up a Discord for support. Uh, for some other people. Uh, in classic me fashion, I decided to do this last minute and didn't give people enough notice. So most people that wanted to couldn't do it. But there were about six of us uh, that were in the Discord the whole time. And as far as I could tell, just about everybody made it the whole time. And at the end of the fast, everyone said that the support group was key in them sticking with it. And they didn't think they would have been able to do it without it. And I for sure would not have. Because <laughs> the, the first 24 hours were really hard. Or at least the first 12 hours, I should say. So my last meal was lunch on Thursday. And by Thursday night, I was really hungry. I eat like a six times a day kind of person. I'm constantly eating stuff. And so like eating at noon and then like not eating until like six or seven was like not normal for me. Um, and so uh, the first like 12 hours were, were pretty hard. But then the next day was actually pretty much fine. Like if I started thinking about food, I would get hungry, but I wasn't hungry most of the time. Uh, my body was just like kind of like okay with what was happening. And like the next morning I woke up and it was still kind of fine and like it just didn't feel that bad. So it made me realize there's definitely a, a big extent to which hunger is like habitual. So like I started to get hungry around when I normally eat. It's not so much that I was eating because I'm hungry. I noticed like when dinner time would happen, I'd be like, damn, I really want to eat some food. I'm very hungry. And then like once it would hit like eight o'clock when I normally not eating, I just stopped being hungry. My body was like, all right, well, that's not happening. So fine. Well, we're giving up. <laughs> yeah. I guess I'll think about other things now. Yeah. Yeah. And the weird thing is, it was kind of, there's something very pleasant about having no food in your body. Like your digestive system is calm in a way that it never is otherwise. I felt like gloriously empty in a way, where it's just like there's no indigestion, no burping, just like it was just like nothing going on in my stomach. And like I would put water in there and it's just like, okay, water, fine. But like it just felt really nice to have like nothing going on. It was oddly pleasant. I guess the closest I experienced to that is like waking up in the morning and if I've like, if I've not, you know, eaten too close to bedtime or overeaten the previous day, like you just kind of wake up feeling like nice and like reset in a way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it felt really good. And like I, I felt reasonably, my energy levels were fine. I went to work and I did work, not a ton, but enough. And I felt like a little bit weird, but like not bad. It was kind of pleasurable at times. Difficult, but pleasurable. So that was kind of great, actually. I'm not eager to do it again. It's, it sure is nice to eat. So I broke my fast. Uh, I was like pretty disciplined coming out of it where I was like, okay, I'm going to go get like some vegetable soup. And then I got like a sandwich and I ate like a couple bites of the sandwich and then put it away for like 20 minutes and then have a couple more bites and then put it away. And like just like, kind of like really eased into it. 
it was mostly fine. My stomach was a little bit weird at first. I was like, whoa, whoa all of a sudden there's a new thing going on. Um, had a little bit of indigestion at first, but not much. And then by like dinner time, I had like a normal meal, like pretty healthy, but normal meal. And then like I ate a pint and a half of Ben and Jerry's <laughs> at like 8 p.m., which nice. I've never done in my life. I've never yeah. eaten that much ice cream in one sitting, I don't think. Mm-hmm. I like got two pints of Ben and Jerry's at the grocery store and ate like 75% of each of them to the point where I, was, I happened to be at my parents' house. And my mom was yeah. like, did dad eat some of this? And I was like, nope, <laughs> nope, <laughs> just me. That's funny. So definitely was craving the calories yeah yeah um but yeah it was it was it was good i enjoyed it in a way it was also hard and suffering yeah. for sure but yeah but not that bad and that's good and doing doing hard things is pleasurable if you accomplish them especially right so mm-hmm. i think mm-hmm. it's yeah it's good yeah so i felt kind of like a, a nice reset i felt really i felt good physically um mm-hmm. that last day in particular that morning i was just like mm, i got this this is good mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So do you have an idea when you'll do your next one or not like no plans to at this point? No plans at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I, I kind of want to try going further now. The reason that I did this fast was for autophagy, which is your body cleaning it out its old cells. And autophagy peaks at 48 hours. So really you want to go like 72 hours. So you have like a nice long like period where you're actually doing autophagy actively. I might try to do that next time. Is there a healthy upper bound of like anything beyond this? And you're like, your body's not, See, not good with it. I don't or? exactly know. But the thing is like, we are literally built for this. Like this whole process where you like, like you store fat on your body is for this. Like it's the fact that you can survive just fine without food. Like there was some medically supervised fast where they had they took a guy who weighed like 400 pounds and they had him fast for like a year or something. It was like hundreds of days. Oh and gosh. he was fine. Like <laughs> wow. he just consumed his fat for like hundreds of days. And he, wow. like he was totally okay. Wow. And so, and honestly, like in that last day, I was like, I could do another day if I had to. Like I'm, I started fantasizing about food in the morning. So I was like, I'm not going to do another day. I'm done. I'm ready to stop. But I, I didn't feel like I was super low energy level or like, like in terrible hunger all the time. My body was just like, all right, well, this isn't ideal, but I'm, I can make this work. So, yeah, I, I think I would try to go longer, and I think it actually would be kind of okay. And like I said, the hunger kind of went away. That was the hard part. The hard part at the beginning was like, oh, man, I'm so hungry. And then that sort of just faded, so mm-hmm. not too bad. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's fascinating, too, that that part of that a big part of hunger is just habit. So it's like it's basically false signals because you may not actually need calories at that moment, but because your body's just in the habit of doing it. And it's like, I mean, it's unsurprising because our brains are are like... <laughs> deceive us all the time so <laughs> oh 100 so, you know yeah it's like the cue is causing the change in your brain it's not the hunger it's like like oh it's dinner time ish and your brain's like oh get hungry it's time to time to do this because we know our bodies are very aware of time like you can yeah very much so. like i can often tell myself like i want to wake up at 7 40 tomorrow and like within plus or minus one minute i'm awake you know same <laughs> that's so crazy and sometimes i'll wake up and i'll be like i bet it's 803 and i'm like my accuracy on that guess is like really good most of the time yeah yeah like i have like a really good clock that way it's, it's kind of cool it's, it feels like it's scary it's almost scary it's like how does, how does it yeah. know but <laughs> it's kind of, yeah it's awesome it's so, mm-hmm. i love that stuff that subconscious mm-hmm. stuff yeah cool well good i'm glad it was a worthwhile experience and and uh yeah yeah it was fun so you want to talk about uh work stuff sure okay right. cool <laughs> um so it's may now it's may 2nd at the time of recording unbelievable april has wrapped up yeah um april was really good we had a great april um so we signed up uh 66 paid trials in april which is kind of awesome like my target was like around 40 
and we just managed to do better than that. May is going to be super interesting because I'm going to see all those trials like convert or not. There's like a few big unknowns in the business still where it's like like revenue wise where it's like what will the average revenue be like what's the conversion rate from trial to paid uh, churn and expansion and all that and we'll have I think reasonable like average revenue and conversion rate from trial at the end of the month so that will help me model the future like a a lot better than I can right now so Mm -hmm. I'm very excited to see that are you tracking metrics right now about how many calls people are doing and like kind of making an estimate on how many people are going to convert and how many people are not really actively using the product we haven't done that like a, we, we do kind of need an, i would like i would like to have kind of like a trial health dashboard we don't we're not there yet people are making a lot of calls though in the last week people did 800 calls which is uh, pretty great like last week it was 550 so it's like it's going up kind of a lot so like positive numbers all around feels great we're also about to ship um, multi-way calls to a small kind of like alpha group. So we have kind of like a V1 of this just about ready. And so I'm reaching out to people right now to be like, we put it behind a feature flag. So we're going to start it uh, kind of limited and just see how it how it works for folks, which would be nice. This is like one of our most requested things by a lot. It seems like a good pace of development you guys are on. because I think you mentioned it like the last time, maybe the week before that you were kicking it off. So yeah, that's pretty, seems decently fast. Oh, Get thanks. Yeah, out. Spencer yeah. went in the cave and uh, came back out. It was mm-hmm. like multi-way. I have mm-hmm. I have created it, <laughs> which nice. is which is awesome. Um, yeah, it's it's actually really nice to have uh, multiple people developing. Turns out, no shocker there. But so he can sort of stay focused on that that long term, like work on the hard but long feature. And Joel is able to do sort of shorter like bug fixes and UX improvements and things like that. So from our customer's perspective, we're shipping little things. And then every so often, here's a big thing, which is awesome to, to hit that cadence. Hmm. I wonder if three is a magic number. It feels real good to me. Yeah. It's, yeah, I really dig it. Yeah. If, I feel like, almost feel like four would be too many, but who knows? Yeah. Hard to say. Uh, so what's up with you? Let's see. I think last last time I was inviting another cohort in to try. And so now now officially around right around a thousand people have been sent invites to try out level. And I got to admit, it's been a little bit of a challenging week. So, yeah, like similar types of metrics that I kind of dove into last time with this group. Actually, I think more I think more people actually created a user account and made it in the product and looked, poked around at the demo. But it's been fairly quiet on the front of actually progressing through one of my fears has been will people actually make the jump or is this just an aspirational like recognition of a problem and like i'm a big fan of what you're working on and i'm really interested in seeing how this evolves all of those things don't actually speak to a i'm ready to make a jump right 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 what this is signaling to me right now is that i need to like kind of take a step back and return back to the phase of really proactively learning and talking to people and specifically diving into like, walk me through what a day in the life of your team communication looks like. What's your tooling? How are you managing distractions right now? And try to root out like, what is the essence of the pain that these people are experiencing? Like all everyone who has thrown their hat in the ring of this manifesto resonates with me. What is it? exactly that's resonating with them and is there a pain there for a good chunk of them that i can i can target with with a product solution um yeah that they'll pay for yeah that they'll pay for so yeah i gotta admit like it's this is this has been tough just feelings of uncertainty and 
I think I definitely recognize some tactical errors I made in my initial wave of of validating. So I started with the manifesto. The manifesto sparked a lot of passion among people who feel strongly that like this is this is a problem, right? And so that generated a bunch of good numbers, you know, lots of people jumping on the list, lots of like positivity from people on Twitter. I did do a bunch of validation calls, but I think like looking back, a lot of that was like, obviously I had a hypothesis about how to, how I thought this problem should be solved. And so a lot of those calls were probably a little bit of me trying to confirm some of my own assumptions, which Mm. is risky, Mm. you know, (laughs) it's very risky to, it's so hard not to do that actually. Right, right. You should almost enter these conversations withholding having your own ideas about how to solve it, because otherwise you're at risk of just seeking confirmation for the things that you want to be true and brushing aside things that might be red flags. So yeah, I I think there was certainly some of that. And actually, you recommended a book to me called The Mom Test. And I read that. And it's fantastic. Like So good, right? So good, so actionable. It's probably the most the most actionable book I've read in, you know, at least a year. It's so not your average business nonfiction book. Yeah. I, yeah. I think it's so great. And and do you want to like kind of summarize the gist of it? Yeah. So I mean that the idea is that like literally everybody will lie to you in the process of having customer conversations. The book is so named <laughs> so that well meaning lies. <laughs> yes, yes. Lie to you because they want to protect your feelings or because they like you. And I think this is especially hazardous if you have a little bit of an audience that, you know, when you put out something like a manifesto, you're going to get a lot of love. You're going to get a lot of like interest and people rooting for you. And it's almost in a sense in some ways more hazardous to have that because all of those are false signals, you know. There's a great thing that I learned in this book that I've kind of stolen now, which is rather than ask, like people are incredibly bad at predicting their future behavior. So if you say like, would you purchase a tool that something, 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 and everyone else, I was like, oh yeah, totally. Yeah, I definitely would. And they're like, that's the terrible question. Never ask people about their future behavior. Instead, ask them, um, what's the last thing you tried to solve this problem? Yeah. Yeah. It's like anchor, um, anchor in the past with concrete examples, right? Exactly. It's like one of yeah. the core tenets. Right. So if it was like, does Slack interrupt you too much? Like, yes. It's like, okay, well, what have you t- done so far to try to solve that? Um, I guess nothing really. Okay. Well, you know, so you agree it's a problem, but it's not a big enough problem that you've tried to do anything about it, it turns out. It's already improved my questions for people. Like, great book. Ho- totally recommend. Love. Love it. Yep. Yep. And so I basically started like reaching out to folks and booking slots on my calendar, <laughs> 20 minute slots, and I'm running this playbook. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not pitching you on a product. Ignore the fact that I may or may not have like some product in some form of existence today. Like this is a conversation where I'm, I'm learning and I just want to ask you some questions about, about your setup. It's been eye opening so far. Like I've had a few, I've only had a handful so far. So like not enough to have any kind of like consensus from, from people, but like definitely a few of them have led down the path of like, yeah, this is just so annoying and I just hate it. And then by the end of the conversation, it's like, what have you done? Have you tried any other tools? Have you have you searched the plugin directory in Slack to see like, is there is there something that could route around this? Um, why haven't you? And, and the answer is most of the time been like, no, we haven't. And no, I just, I don't know, just hasn't been a priority. And so, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we'll, we'll kind of see what this Damn. yields. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Today, there was actually a a long piece published in Vox all about kind of like, it feels like I could have written this article because it's basically the manifesto, but with 
quotes from people and data injected into it. <laughs> and so it's like all, literally all the talking points I've been I've been mentioning about level are kind of packed into this article. And this has been spreading around on social. And so I've been kind of digging through, like using that as a mining that as a data source too. like what, how are people responding to this? Cause it's kind of a controversial statement, but it's being, you know, kind of spread around to a broader audience than I have. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. It was interesting seeing that tweet from you and I was like, Oh, it feels like you're, you're kind of getting back to your develop, like customer development roots where I feel like you were kind of like going back to the, like, let's, let me go validate my assumptions and, and come back to this problem in a fresh way, which I thought was, was healthy. Yeah. When I talked about last time, like, you know, I could either spend my time on trying to nudge through some of the trials that have, that have made it past the point of like inviting some of their team members and stuff like that. But that's still just such a small percentage of the, of the thousand that I've, that I've invited through that I feel like it's worthwhile to kind of like step back and, and see if there's, if there's something broader that I'm missing here, you know? Mm-hmm. So what do you think is going to happen? I'm trying to make like zero assumptions at this point. I'm, I'm feeling a little bit jaded on having my own, having my own thoughts and opinions about things. Um, and I want to let the data speak for itself. So <laughs> I'm proactively trying not to jump to any conclusions, um, which is hard, but uh, sure. Yeah. Interesting. Well, you know, it would be a bummer, right? It would suck. Mm-hmm. But what is your worst case scenario here? I mean, worst case scenario is um, there's a lot of people that are unhappy with aspects of Slack, but almost none of them are willing to pay for a product mm-hmm. to solve them. And then what? And then I figure out what's next. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, even if that came to pass, you're in still such an like enviable position compared to most people. You had the runway to do this thing. Uh presumably there's you can do other things too mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i don't know i feel like i feel like your your worst case is is not so worst yeah it's not dire by any means i mean it would be a pretty big blow to my confidence probably i think there would be like a, a pretty in-depth retrospective on like w- pulling this apart like what what could i have done to avoid this i'm not saying that's it's going to end up that way but if it does end up that way like what could what could i have done to avoid this what mistakes did i make um, so there's, it would be a huge opportunity for learning on the bright side. Yeah. It would be, it would be a tough pill to swallow for sure. hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> I have long-term faith in you. I don't know. I believe in you as a human. So like if you did have a rough setback and it's like, oh, this thing didn't work. It's like, well, I don't know. Like you're, you're kind of like a ridiculous multi-threat when it comes to product stuff. If I were betting on like the Derek Reimer stock, I think the future of the Derek Reimer stock is like very good in the, over the, you know, the five-year chart, I think looks yeah. awesome. Yeah, I appreciate that. The early phase of these things is so difficult because if you look at at most companies that we see, even small bootstrap companies that are successful, and you look at how they got started, I feel like most don't actually run this playbook. (laughs) Like most kind of come up with an idea and they suspect that other people will use it. And maybe they do some conversations to like validate it. They probably ask the wrong questions and then they ship the product and launch and get some traction and then iterate from there. I guess in a sense, that's sort of what I'm doing right now, but that has varying degrees of success. And sometimes it just works out. Like sometimes you're just able to, what you build initially, maybe you have an audience that is willing to just like 
support you and it's not too big of a cost to like switch over to your to your product and you know they'll do you a solid because they like what you're doing and even though like maybe you're behind on features or you're kind of undifferentiated or whatever and they'll just throw you a bone switch over and that's where you get your first plateau and then from there you just like you know you iterate you listen to customers you figure out what features to build you figure out ways to market on and on and on that's a risky way to go about it, even though I feel like that's mostly what people do. <laughs> and in my case, it's like even getting those early supporters, like people who really want this to succeed, getting them to move over is more difficult than some products, I think, because it just involves like moving your entire communication system over. And yeah. so, yeah, I mean, I think it's a hard niche to be the the team communication platform requires like so much coordination among a bunch of people so you need a lot of buy-in from a lot of different kinds of folks this process is super hard like like the book like your the mom test says like everyone lies to you like kind of not directly and not in a mean way but it's just like it's very very hard to get clear signals yeah it's, it's hard to not get sucked into that in a way i think there's actually a lot of stories too about people that do their best attempt at validation because now i think it's sort of more commonly known that you want to do some of that but it's still easy to get the wrong answer there and launch a thing and then realize we have to pivot this entirely. The, the stories of successful companies are very much often, we built this thing, whoops, it's the wrong thing. Uh, we have to make a different thing. And maybe it's like adjacent to the thing, but maybe it's something totally different. Like there's a lot of large successful companies now that started off as a completely different thing. It just turns out, oops, like this is just actually really, really hard to build a product and get the right thing on the first swing. It's more like it often takes two or three. Yeah. Pressing one layer deeper on this is helping me figure out it's going to help me get get a lot of clarity pretty fast. I think like I had one conversation where the person had reserved a handle, had written back to me and was like, I'm super eager. I really want to try this out. When can I get in? And I asked like a simple question. I said, what are, what's like the minimum things that you would need? Like, what's your minimum bar for your communication tool that you would need to even entertain this? And he was like, oh, just like a great mobile app experience. And he listed like four things off that were like all well beyond what an MVP product would be, well beyond what I have in place today. And I was like, okay, that's a complete non-starter. But if I had not dug one layer deeper, I would have been like, well, here's somebody who's super eager to try out the product. Yeah. Yep. Yes, that's, that's, everyone's lying to you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so tricky. Yeah, and they talk in this, in the mom test about like, or businesses that have a very high degree of product risk are some of the trickiest ones. Because you can, you know, you can come up with a really compelling pitch and say, like, well, would you buy a product that, you know, has all the benefits of Slack, but is less distracting? And everyone's going to answer yes to that. <laughs> and even the people who in, who really would are going to answer yes. Like, that's a good signal. However, <laughs> to get there, it's like, it's like, yes, if you can pull that off, I would totally buy that. But the, it's a giant if. Maybe that would be like, a you know, some venture backed thing where you can build out a whole team and just like, do the mobile, do the native desktop, do everything all out the gate before even launching and then see if you can get lift. But that's not, that's not bootstrappable, you know? Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Especially with as one person, maybe if you mm-hmm. could convince a few other people to do it with you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, one alone sounds, that sounds extra hard. Yeah. So the struggle is real, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's, struggle is real. Lot, uh, da- it's heavy. Yeah. Data gathering. I, so I have like, um, about 15 calls on the books right now um okay so that's off to the races and what would um, you like what would you need to hear on those calls um i would need to hear evidence that there's a that there's a strong pain that's worthy of exchanging dollars for and i'm i'm open to the fact that it may not be 
there may be something there. I'm hoping there is <laughs> maybe something there. And maybe it leads me down a path of like, maybe it's a, a plug into Slack. Maybe it's a, I have a few other like little hypotheses that I'm holding on to extremely loosely <laughs> that could be potential, you know, alternatives to um, a completely separate product um, like I've built today. And so I'm keeping an open mind to that too, that something like that may fall out of these discussions and that would be uh, instructive. Cool. Yep. I mean, the pivot is time honored for mm-hmm. a reason. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> cool. So okay. yeah, it's, um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. All right. Well, thanks for making it so interesting and having good, good radio. Yeah. No, but, but like the, I appreciate the, the openness. Like it's, it's good to share this stuff, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is something that a lot of, well, obviously a lot of startups fail. A lot of startups go through these moments and, um, and I guess it's where the true test is how you, how you make it through these moments, you know? Yeah, totally. So. Well, props to you for doing it. Thank you. Yeah. Cool. Um, all right. Anything else you want to talk about? I think I'm good. Okay. Nice. You have calls next week. Will we have like some data after for the next episode? You think we should have some data next episode? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. Excellent. I'm going to try to eat, um, regularly. Uh, before okay. the next episode so i won't have any fasting data but <laughs> okay all right no that's okay cool all right show notes show notes can be found at artofproductpodcast.com thanks for listening see ya i was thinking we would do like a quick post lead perhaps so i was just thinking uh just just uh pondering the other day and i was like all right if you if if level didn't work out like what would be another mm-hmm. path for you um mm-hmm. and it's just I don't have a, a specific thing yet, but like as far as like worlds, as far as niches or something, I feel like you would be amazing at some sort of like API driven developer tool mm. nerdy thing, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like kind of mm-hmm. like a clear bit, um, or like like a stripe but way easier <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah, I I do have a I have a page in my notebook of like stripe for fill in the blank uh, like i know it's dangerous a little bit to think in that yeah. way and you know you can end up backing yourself into a corner but like i just freak i freaking love the stripe product and Clearbit. similarly like a, just a well-executed api that does, does something does something useful do, for for somebody something. that will pay for it kind of thing especially yeah. if the target yeah. were like develop i mean i guess if it's an api that your target is developers but i feel like like you mm-hmm. bring these things to the table that i feel like are in short supply that are particularly useful mm. in the developer world where it's like you would make a really good API. Like the API would be good and like thoughtful and like tasteful and the design would be good. Yeah. So like you know, that, that right yeah. there is like, there's just like not a lot of people that can roll out a developer tool like that. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just, there's, I don't, I, and also like there's, there's something where like, um, especially as you have gotten exposed to the GraphQL world and really like that so much. Yeah. I was like, what if there's like a GraphQL, like a really great GraphQL interface to something that's kind of like crappy and annoying to do right now. And you could say GraphQL is the future. This is going to be an amazing GraphQL endpoint for X. It just feels like, I don't know. I feel like I could see you just like crushing that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's an allure to that and maybe it's partially coming off of like (laughs) having worked for the last year on a product that's very heavy on the kind of the human interface side of things. Like, 
<laughs> this is probably I'm part, I'm partially biased by that, but I I mean just a a beautifully simple <laughs> interface that's programmatic. Right. It's also, you're like, yeah, you're, it sounds refreshing. Right, exactly. <laughs> like the consumers of this product will be computers. <laughs> <It's> like yes, <laughs> yeah. um, like don't no need to change human yeah. behavior really. Um, yeah, and like it seems like like when we when we talk about like oh like what if there's like a training component or a consulting component to level you're kind of like eh don't want to, which I totally get. But it's like, all right, if you don't want to do like manual stuff and you want fully self-serve, man, developers are probably a great market for you because they're like, I don't want to talk to you anyway. Yeah. Like, give me your docs and yeah. <laughs> like, don't ever email me anything. I hate you. Um, right, right. And so I was like, oh man, <laughs> like if you just had like this nerdy developer thing, you could live that life where it's like, no, like fully self-serve and, and not trying to do any other stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting line of thinking for sure. I mean, and it's... um. Yeah, it's up there on my like as I've done like when pre level I did I did a whole exploration of like listing off things that I've used and trying to like trying to just like ponder like what what tools does this world need to be improved and um, I should actually probably take a, take a look back at at some of those things that I uh, that I thought about because I'm trying not to have shiny objects in during the last yeah. year <laughs> you know um, so been act- actively not thinking about anything like that. Um, but uh, yeah, I feel like there were there were a few things on there that that maybe could fit in this category. Yeah, um, could be interesting to look at. You know? Yeah, so it's not not super actionable, but just like a, a thought I had, kind mm-hmm. of. Mm-hmm. To, yeah, yeah. I feel like you would just be extremely in your element with a product like that. Yeah, yeah. I don't disagree with you. <laughs> cool. Okay, that was my thought. Cool. Good thought. Thank you for sharing. No problem. Postlude out.